turn this on so you can hear me this time. Um, and uh, so this morning, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. And we had a neat little song to teach you this morning, but I couldn't get the video to work right. So we'll have to share it another time on the fruit of the Spirit. And so if I can get it on Facebook, I might post it this afternoon. So look at that. But uh, So we're talking about uh, grace is the theme of this whole book. And I know I'm thankful for grace. I hope you are thankful for grace because all of us need it every single day. I don't care how good you think you are, how great you think your life is, you still need grace and God's mercy uh, in your life. And the good news is if you don't know that and you've never experienced, you can know it because God has it just for you. He has it for all the whosoevers in the world. And I'm thankful uh, that uh, we can know that and for that important scriptural truth. And I hope you uh, are thankful for that too. Uh, so today we're going to talk about fruit walking. Uh, and so probably, you know, uh, some of you probably do not move very fast. I know I don't normally move very fast. Uh, but there's some time that all of us move very, very fast. You're walking, and all of a sudden you brush up against something. You jump, and your arms start flaying, and that little spider web, because that little spider, you're afraid that spider's going to end up somewhere, and you start going like this, getting, you know, looking for it, chasing after it, you know, looking for it, seeing if it's gotten on you. Uh, and the spider webs are. Uh, you know, easy to get entangled in. They're hard to see. If you're not paying attention, you're not going to notice them. But they are very, they're sticky. And so they're hard to get off of you. And then even, in this true that even after you get them off of you, it still feels like it's on you? And so for the entire day, and in fact, maybe you've done this, I know I have, I've taken an extra shower just to make sure that that web is not on me anymore. Uh, yesterday, Leslie and I went to the circus over in Forest, um, and as we were leaving, this man was walking, he had, you know, that uh, tape that, uh, it's not crime scene tape, but it's that kind of tape. Well, they had that strewed about, some, and it ended up on the floor for some reason. This poor man that was in front of us, walked. he got caught up on his boot, and he was walking this big, long line of this, I thought it was funny, I laughed. Leslie, she was helpful and practical. She stepped on that and got it off the man's boot for him. Said, what'd you do that for? I thought it was funny. He was unaware. And you know, it is easy to get caught up in things. And that's what Paul's mentioned, that's what we want to talk about today, is it is easy to get caught up in sin snares. It is easy to get caught up in this world and the things that will destroy you and not even know it. And so Paul says there's a way that you can avoid that. Now, if you could, would you not avoid spider web? That's why you go with the broom occasionally through your house and you, you know, take the walls and you vacuum the curtains and things like that. Not so they look pretty, but so the spider webs that may or may not have been there are not there no more. 
because you don't want spiders and pests, you know, hanging out with you. Paul says there's things you can do in your spiritual life to walk strong with the Lord. So let's look at what he says, beginning in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 5. Stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You, who attempt, uh, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven, the whole, uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who have troubled you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. All the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissentious heresy, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Well, Paul gives us this great message. He says, hey, listen, folks. Remember and understand this important truth that God wants you to have an understanding about what grace is. And a, grace is not, you can just go out and do whatever you want to and not have any consequence. But that's not what grace is. Grace also doesn't mean that we're free to just do whatever we want to. 
Thankful we live in a land where we have freedoms, and our country's not perfect, and we certainly have our problems and our ills. And we'd spend all day talking about that, but that's not the purpose of this sermon. But the thing is that we live in the land of the free. But we are not free to do whatever we want to. If you don't believe me, just run this stop sign down here with the pearl policeman sitting there and see if he doesn't stop you and write you a ticket. He will. And so being free does not mean we can do whatever we want. And that's true spiritually just as it's true in our life physically uh, as uh, adults and as growing. And so Paul says, listen, you are free. And so last week we talked about living like a child of the king. Now he's saying, yes, you are a child of the king. Now this week he says, act like it. Behave like it. In other words, like what your mama might say, act like you got some raisins. And so, listen, God, we are not saved by how we behave. We can't be good enough. No matter, I'm a pretty great guy. But even as good as I am, I still don't measure up to God's standards. And neither do you. Now, I know most of you are pretty good folks. But none of you, not one, measures up to God's standards. But the thing is, you don't have to. Because Jesus Christ did measure up. And Jesus gave his life on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood. So that you no longer were bound by the curse of the law. But just because you've been saved, just because that offer's been made to you and you've received it, does not mean you can do whatever you want. But Paul says, listen, if you're a child of God, you need to behave differently. And he gives us three things to help us. I call it the ABCs of fruit walking. Because there's an A and a B and a C, and you'll see them in just a minute. So the A is this. He says, avoid sin and legalism. He says, avoid sin. In other words, don't become entangled with the things of this world. Don't allow the desires of the flesh to control you because they will desire things that are contrary to God's will for your life. And so you feed the flesh, you're going to have a fleshly life. And there's going to be consequent, and you're not going to enjoy God's blessing and God's favor. So he says, listen, he gives a long list. And by the way, hatred and gossiping and uh, some other things are in that list, just as well as murder and some other more serious things in our mind. And Paul says, you practice these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Because those things are contrary to who God is. And what God's desire for your life is. And can I tell you, it's not just this list that Paul gives. I don't have to, as your pastor, stand up here and tell you and give you a list of right and wrongs. You know what's wrong. Nobody has to tell you. 
Nobody has to tell you it's wrong to steal. And you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't kill. We don't need to be told. We know that. Because God created us in his image. And yet, we are all prone to want to do some of those things. And so Paul says, stay away from those things. Do not become entangled in those things. Don't feed the flesh. But he also says, also avoid legalism. You know, you can become so wrapped up in the being a proper Christian that you're anything but a proper Christian. Because you're not living by grace. Now again, living by grace does not mean we do whatever we want. But it means that we are no longer under the penalty of sin, and no longer are we bound by the law and its curse. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have expectations for us. But the expectations he has for us are for us, not for us to enforce on others. Because this is what we have. We say, well, I want grace, but I want everybody else to have to follow the law. And so I want grace. I want, you know, God to forgive me. I want to forgive everybody else. They don't really deserve it. Well, the reality is none of us deserve it. And Paul tells us here in this passage to the Galatian church, listen, it is just as much troublesome and against God for you to become legalistic in your face so that your life is not about God anymore, but whether your skirt's the right size or whether your hair's the right length or whether you've got makeup on or whether your church has musical instruments, or whether it doesn't. There's discussions to have about all those things. But are any of those things what saves a person? No. What saves a person is if they've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And see, our attitude is, well, let's get people to act right, and then maybe they'll get saved. That's crazy. Makes sense by the world standards. We know that, hey, listen, if something on the outside is dirty, get in the shower, get some soap, it'll be clean. But the problem is, our dirt and our trouble is not on the outside. It's on the inside. And so cleaning up all day long ain't going to change the inside. And you desiring to be good is not going to change the inside. The only thing that can change the inside is a personal relationship with the giver of grace whose name is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. And see, this is how Jesus works and how Jesus cleans us up. He doesn't start on the outside because the outside's not where the problem is. He knows the problem's on the inside, so guess where he starts? He starts on the inside where the problem is. And as Jesus works and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are working to clean up on the inside, guess what happens? The outside starts getting cleaner too. 
the things that we talk about change and get clean. And the people we hang around change. And the places we go change. Listen, you know, you can guilt people into doing certain things for a while. You can pressure them. But as soon as you take that pressure or guilt off, they're right back to what they were doing beforehand. But when Jesus gets a hold of somebody and begins to work and clean on the inside, then those outside things take care of themselves eventually. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes I wish it did, but it doesn't. It takes a long, long, and for some of us, it takes a long, long, long time. But eventually, it does happen. And it doesn't happen by us striving or keeping a, a set of rules and checking off a bunch of boxes. It happens by us falling in love with God more and more. And us knowing Him more and more. And because we know Him and we know His heart and we know the grace and the love that He gives to us, we want to be more like Him. And so he says, listen, avoid sin, but also avoid legalism. Don't make your Christian walk about keeping a bunch of do's and don'ts. Now, there is such a list, but the list is not the point. The point is knowing Jesus, and when we know Jesus, and we're allowing the Spirit of God to lead our life, the list takes care of itself. And that's why he says there in the, the next to the last word, we live in the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You see, several times in this passage, Paul tells us the Christian life is an active life. It's something that we do, that we have a, a part to play in. But he also says you can't do it by yourself. And you can't do it by external, you know, trying to jump through certain hoops. How you do it is by letting the Spirit of God rule your life. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you somewhere to, so God doesn't want you to go. and He's not going to tell you to do something God doesn't want you to do. And so he says be very careful. And I tell you, there have been a lot of Christians and a lot of churches hindered and maybe even destroyed, not by outright wrongful sin, but by legalism. And say, you know what, it's not about Jesus, and it's not about God, it's about whether you do right or you don't. You do this or you do that. And that's not what the Bible says. So we have to be very careful to avoid legalism not to be legalistic but then secondly the B so that's the A avoid sin and legalism what's the B next Paul says be aware of family he said you look out for one another and you be concerned for not your welfare only 
but also the welfare of others, huh? Where have we heard that before? Sounds like some of the things Jesus said. So he says, be aware of family. He says, you've been called to liberty. In other words, you've been called to freedom, but don't use that freedom as an excuse to do what you want to do. Instead, use that freedom to minister and to serve others. So that as a child of God, when the God's Spirit is working in our life, it no longer becomes what I want. And can I tell you, there are a lot of fights and fussings that go on in families and churches that wouldn't happen if we were being led by the Spirit and more concerned about the other person than we were about ourselves. Most of the time when fights occur, it's because we want our way. Why, Burger King has said I could have it my way, and by George, I'm having it my way. Well, can I tell you, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. God says, listen, it's not about your human way, it's about my God way. And my God way is the only way that really matters. So, it's not about keeping rules and, you know, this is, you know, there are churches that don't have instruments. Well, that's, listen, if that's how they believe, then bless God, more power to them. Us Baptists understand we need some piano to help us carry a tune, and there's some of us that can't carry the tune even with the help of the piano. Amen? But listen, the Bible just says make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't say make an in-tune or on-key noise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. But I know some churches that have split over crazy things like that. I know churches that split over the color of the carpet in the sanctuary. How stupid is that? Th- those things don't matter. And if we live our life based on, listen, that's not what matters. But when we're aware of the family and we're saying, you know what? There's hurting mothers in our church family, and, you know, they need to be in church, and our church needs to be take, helping them and helping children that are in our... There's, you know, hundreds of people around our church that don't even know God. And they're lost, and they're going through this world wondering how on earth they can make it. You have the answer. But can I tell you, are they going to find the answer if you're busy arguing about what color the carpet is or whether there's a piano or a drum in the church? Nope. And by the way, Satan knows that. And so Satan, one of his great devices is to cause division in the church. And by the way, division causers are in that list of those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that cause dissension. But he says, you be concerned about the family. In other words, you be concerned about those that are hurting. You know, you be concerned about those and how you can help someone in need. 
be concerned about others because Jesus was not concerned about his comfort when he left heaven, came to a manger in Bethlehem, or when he went 30-some years later to a cross on Golgotha and was beaten and mocked and crucified and shed his blood for my sin and your sin. He didn't do that for fun. He did it for you and for me. Because he wasn't concerned with his comfort and what he wanted. You remember he prayed in the garden, Father, I wish this could pass from me. I wish we didn't have to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. Can I tell you, that should be the prayer of your life. And when you're walking according to the Spirit, your life becomes less and less about you and more and more about God and what He's doing in your life and around you and what He wants you to do for others. And I tell you that every blessing that God has sent to you, God sent to you, not so you can say, oh man, <laughs> look at what I got. He gave it to you so you could take that blessing and share it with others. So maybe God's blessed you with a big station wagon. Well, maybe God gave you that good station wagon not so you could fill it with guns and ammo and head off hunting, you know, on Sunday instead of going to church. Maybe God gave you that big car so you could put neighbors in that back seat and bring them to church. Or maybe he gave you that big car so that you could fill it with groceries and take to neighbors who were hungry. So Paul says, listen, if you want to walk as a child of, king, of the king, look out for others. Don't laugh at the poor man who's got a string pulling down on his foot. Be like the preacher's wife and step on it so that it comes off the man's foot. I really think she was trying to trip the man because that would have been even more funny. I, but I was giving her the benefit of the doubt that she was trying to help the guy out. And it, did, it just came right off uh, his foot. He was unaware and walked out the door. Be aware of family. And then what's the C? Well, I'm glad you all asked. Because I said there was an A and a B, C of walking by the fruit. And so he says, lastly, I want you to carry Christ. I want you to remember that you have been crucified with Christ. You are not your own anymore. You've been bought with the price. And so Paul admonishes us a few times in this chapter. Listen, don't get entangled with the law. Don't get entangled with legalism. Don't become entangled with sin. And other, the only thing you need to be wrapped up in is the Spirit of God. And when you're wrapped up in the Spirit of God, you ain't got to worry, am I doing right? Because if you're being wrapped in the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God's leading you, you're doing what God wants you to do. So he said, remember, everywhere you go, bring Christ with you. In other words, let the things that Christ has done in your life go with you all the time. And so that, you know, it's great that you're here at church on Sunday. 
I mean, I tell you something, if you're here at church on Sunday, and then you're running around with the devil tomorrow, you've wasted your time today. You can't live for God on Sunday and then live like the world and this devil Monday through Saturday. Say, well, preacher, I'll just do what I want. I'll come to church on Sunday and go to the altar and pray and ask God to forgive me. That's not how it works. It don't work that way. We want it to, but it don't. But Paul says here, he said, listen, when you're carrying Christ and you're living your life, you're wrapped up in the Spirit of God, there's nine things that are going to be characteristic of your life, and they're not things that you work for. None of these things you can earn, none of these things you can manufacture, they're given by the Spirit of God. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you've heard it sometimes called the fruits of the Spirit, but the Bible, it's just listed singular. It says the fruit of the Spirit. It's one outworking, it's one thing that comes off the vine because the Holy Spirit is working and growing in our life. And these are the nine things um, that he said. And again, I had this nifty little kid song, but I couldn't get the video to do right. So, um, But love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are polar opposites of, those, of that list up above, isn't it? That list up above, those are things we can do pretty easily, all of us. We know how to do that. Some of those words, you know, King James, New King James uses, we may not know what the word means, but we know how to do it. But these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit we don't know how to do that very well without God's help. And perhaps that last one, that self-control, that's how it's not about us. And it's understanding that, understanding it's about God and what He wants to do in this world and the gifts that He's given me and how I can share that with others. And when that's our focus, you know what? Legalism doesn't have a chance. Because we understand it's not about keeping a bunch of rules. We understand it's about a relationship, but because we have that relationship, there's some things that we do differently than we did before. And so he says, you put on these nine things. So if you're a child of God and the Spirit of God's working in your life, these nine things are becoming more and more true of your life. So there's more love. There's agape love. That's that God love. That's the irregardless love. That's the love that loves us even when we're unlovable. Even when it's inconvenient. Isn't that how God loves us? It is. Can I tell you, that's how God expects us to love others. And I tell you, you cannot do it without God's help. But with God's help, you can. And I tell you, there are people all around your life, you need to know, you need to know agape love. And there are people all around you, in your workplace, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, that need to know 
love. And I tell you, I really, we see on the news constantly news of kids doing atrocious things. And again, this sermon's not about a sermon on that. It's maybe for another time. But can I tell you part of what I think the problem is, is there are far too few young people that are ever hugged, that are ever told, I love you, that are ever told, I care about you, that are ever told, you matter. Do you matter to God? Absolutely you do. Does God love you? Absolutely he does. Are you important to God? Absolutely you are. And how sad it is that there are people that don't know that. Well, friend, if you're here today and you don't know that, I want you to know you need to come and you need to know that today by starting this relationship with God. But if you're saved today and you've got the Holy Spirit of God and you walk, then guess what? There are people that God puts in your path so that you can love on them. You may be the only one that ever tells them, you know what, I love you and God loves you. And can I tell you this, that God loves us even when we're not lovely. Even when we're at our worst. Even when we've just slugged him in the face and spit on him, he still loves us. So our attitude is, well, preacher, I tried to love them, but it was hard. I tried to love them, they told me to go away. Well, keep on loving them, because that's what God does for you. How dare you do any less for anyone? So love, joy, peace. Can I tell you, there's no peace without Jesus. But when Jesus is in your life, no matter what's going on in your world, there's peace. There's a calmness. There's knowing that you don't have to like it. It doesn't have to be easy. In fact, it's probably not easy. But what makes it bearable is God's right there with you. Long-suffering means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Not only faithfulness to God, but faithfulness to others. You see, it's when you find out who your true friends are when things get rough. Your real friends don't leave you. Everybody else is long gone. And guess what? God is right there with you. Jesus said, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Gentleness and self-control. He said, against these things, there is no law. Is there a law against debauchery and murder and all. Yeah, there is. God's laws against those things, and most countries and most places have man-made laws against those things. But it's not about the law. It's about grace. The only thing that can get us through is grace. And when we understand and when we're walking by grace, this is what happens. We avoid sin and we avoid legalism. We're being aware of family. We're being aware of others around us. Especially those of the household of faith. And I tell you that when people come into a church and that church has division and dissension among it, 
Anybody that comes in from the outside of that church knows it. I remember Leslie and I were on vacation one time. We went to a church. I won't name the church. None of you have been there. None of you probably even know the town where this church was. We walked in. There were lots of people. It was a quite large church. Nobody spoke to us. But not only did nobody just speak to us, nobody spoke to each other. They walked in, sat in their pew, and parked there until the preacher got up and welcomed it, you know, and they sang. But even as they sang, there was, it was dead. There was no joy in their singing. And when the preacher got done with his sermon and they said amen, straight out the door they went. That day the preacher was the only one that spoke to Leslie and I. Don't have any idea what was going on in that church, but I can guarantee there was something going on in that church. And people that lived in that town that maybe visited that church, they could tell as well. But I've also been to some churches that it was very evident. I think our church might be guilty of loving people too much. Maybe when visitors come, we're, we're too nice to them. And we, we scare them off. I bet it's, you know, people get there early and they shake hands and they hug necks and, you know, and then when the sermon's over, why, well, the service is just getting started. Because people don't rush out the door. They stand around and talk and visit. Can I tell you, that's a sign of love. You don't really talk and take time to find out and talk to people you don't like. But if you're talking and you're being joyful with other people, that means you love them. And I tell you that we all need a place where we're loved and known. And I'm thankful we have a church like that. But then we also carry Christ. He said, you've been crucified with Christ. He said, just as Christ was crucified for your sin, you are crucified and given new life. And so Paul's message to the Galatians and to us at Pearl and to every Christian everywhere when they read the Bible is this. You've been changed. You are free as a child of God, so go live like it. Act like it. Put a smile on your face. Some of you say, yeah, I got the joy of the Lord. You need to tell your face. Because it doesn't know it. And that joy of the Lord is not some fake manufactured, happy, you know, plastered smile. But it's a, a joy and a contentment in knowing that, hey, listen, I'm blessed even though tragedy has happened. Now, I've stood with parents who have lost their children and heard them utter the words, you know what, God is good. How on earth can somebody say God is good when their child is laying in a casket? Because they know 
that that casket is not the end of their life. And they know that God is not in that casket. And they know that as they grieve, there's a God and probably a church family that surrounds them and loves them and is going to be there for them. That they are not abandoned and not forsaken. And so we carry Christ with us everywhere we go. So that when the preacher sees you, not just on Sunday, but when I run into you on Thursday afternoon or on Friday at the ball game at the school, you behave the same way. And you have that same love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control that you had on Sunday, you got it then. So Paul says to us, you're a child of the king, so go and walk like it. Behave like it. Don't behave like this world. You behave like a child of the king. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for how you change us. Lord, we come into this world separated from you because of the curse of sin. And the reality is the beautifulness of the gospel that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that doesn't know you and they've never received new life, oh God, will you help them receive that greatest of gifts today? Simply acknowledge their sin. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to spend eternity in hell. But I also know that you paid my sin debt for me and I receive that gift and I confess you as the Lord of my life. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today and Lord, they're saved. But Lord, maybe just by the skin of their teeth. Oh, they're just barely. Because they're still trying to do it their way. They've not surrendered to grace and they've not surrendered to living a life filled with grace and led by the Spirit and full of the fruit of the Spirit. God, help us today to be fruit-filled, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led children of God. Lord, forgive us when we fail to do that. Lord, forgive us when we struggle. Help us to come to you when we do struggle and know that we'll find forgiveness because there's grace where you are. Lord, help us to take the gospel message. Help us to have it in our life, but then help us to share it, to walk as children of yours. As we come into this world, we will make a difference for you. Help us, we pray in Jesus. Friend, let's stand together. We're going to sing this hymn of response, this invitation. And God spoke to your heart, and there's a decision you need to make today. What a great day on this uh, rainy February morning. Say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. You know, it's so easy to get tangled up with the things of this world. It's so easy to get tangled up with our traditions and all these other man-made things that don't amount to anything. 
Paul says, listen, why did Jesus have to die on the cross if we could do it ourselves? The answer is we can't do it ourselves. Jesus had to do it for us. And he did. And he would have done it had it just been you. Or if it had just been me, he would have still done it. Because he loves us that much. They did it for the whole world. Whosoever would call upon him would be saved. Let's sing together.